0: Peace, grace. This is Pastor Colton Lott from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, El Reno. We have the privilege of building Christian community in El Reno for the world. And so if you care about building Christian community or El Reno or the world, we're glad you're listening to this podcast. If you want to help contribute to the gospel work of this congregation, please visit our website, fcclreno.org, and go to the Give Online tab. And now, here's the sermon for the week. Today we continue and finish our journey through the generations of the church alive today, depending on how you count there, six or seven. Six that are really here, and a few holdovers from that greatest generation still in our number. Those are the silent generation members, 1925, born. These are the years born, 1925 to 1945. Boomers, 46 to uh, 64. Generation X, 1965 to 1980. Millennials, 1981 to 1996. Gen Z, 1997 to 2012. And whatever comes next, generally called Generation Alpha, Uh, Born after 2013 will likely stretch to 2029, but we don't know which events will end up defining the rest of this decade, although at some point in the next 10 years or so, that line will come through. It's been important for us to take this journey together. Alongside psychologist Gene Twenge, turns out I've been pronouncing it wrong this entire series, part of, sorry, Dr. Twenge, uh, in her 2023 book, Generations. Her argument, which I find convincing, is that technological advancement is making for most of the changes we see today between generations, in particular because of two traits that increase more and more to each generation, which is individualism and a slower life trajectory. Neither of them are good, neither of them are bad, they just are. And Gen Z is no different in this march of technology. Their name comes from this strange place, by the way. Originally, millennials were called Gen, uh, Generation Y after Generation X. And so it's supposed to be X, Y, Z. But we don't call millennials Generation Y anymore. And another name really hasn't stuck around for these uh, Gen Z. Although Zoomers is close second for all the time they've spent on Zoom in the last five years. But at this point, if uh, it's not Zoomers, it probably won't be anything but Gen Z. Born between 1997 and 2012, their life has been dominated by one piece of technology, the smartphone or the portable electronic device. In 2007, Steve Jobs introduced the iPhone. By 2012, over 50% of adults owned a smartphone, which is most likely the fastest uptake of a technology in human history. And we still don't know what that means for all of us, but especially Generation Z, who has been guinea pigs in an experiment that they didn't know they signed on to. This last Wednesday, we had 15 high schoolers in our Logos Bible study, and Travis and I asked them, assuming everyone in your house was safe, and you have the opportunity to take two or three things out of your burning house, Okay, everyone's safe, but your house is on fire, what are the three objects you grab? 13 out of 15 of our high schoolers, their first answer was my phone. The second answer was my charger. The family dog was either first or third, depending. Gen Z is more afflicted with poor mental health and self-harm behaviors. Suicide attempts for teenagers doubled between 2007 and 2019. Twice as many teenagers took their own lives in this country in 2019 than in 2007. Times as many children in middle school grades four to nine died by suicide in the same period, as Swangy notes. In a way that we might understand, it is like twenty domestic airline uh, jets crashed with solely middle school occupants in the last ten years. That's the amount of uptake in young child or in young uh, teenage suicide. The culprit seems to be in no small part that same smartphone and social media, which is especially hard on mental health, particularly after two or more hours a day, which many teenagers self-report, and it is most especially hard on girls. By 2021, nearly 30% of teenage girls and 12% of teenage boys suffered from clinical-level depression. Social media and social and phone usage means that teens and young adults are lonelier. They spend 25 minutes less per person per day socializing in person in 2021 than in 2012, and they are sleeping less. Half of teens in 2021 were sleep deprived, in no small part because they are staying late to do what is called vamping or being like vampires on their phones. But here's the problem even if you want to unplug, or if your parent doesn't let you own a smartphone, well, Tough cookies because everyone else is plugged in. That's where all of the attention is. That is the social square. Other hallmarks for Gen Z is that this loneliness continues in their sexual explorations. Remember how we talked about Gen X activated particularly early? Two thirds had sex before leaving high school. From Gen X to Gen Z, that dropped to under half had sex before leaving high school. maybe higher than we might think, but significantly lower over the past 40 years. However, pornography, video pornography, is far more prominent. While the data is not reliable, there seems to be evidence that the average age for a a Generation Z boy to first be exposed to porn is nine. They are always supervised, though, and they are growing up slower This is part of that slow life strategy that as couples have fewer children and have more resources, they put more resources and require more safety of those fewer children. And so that means that fewer Gen Z teens are getting drunk, fewer Gen Z teens get into physical fights or into car accidents compared to previous generations or have their driver's license at all. A Gen Z senior class is more like a Gen X freshman class in terms of their world experience around alcohol, dating, working for pay, or sex. Now, in our community, we see some upticks in marijuana usage, most likely because of the way in which medical marijuana has been handled or not handled in Oklahoma. But um, while we often assume that marijuana uh, usage increases for teens, that's not really what the, the big data bears out. Uh, The rate today is the same as 1995, but there is genuine massive increase for once um, young adulthood is reached. A last big hallmark for Gen Z that I'll mention today is that they're markedly more transgender, non-binary, or gender fluid, which means that they... might identify differently depending on which season of life. In 2021, Gen Z was the first generation in which a majority believed there are more than two genders. And there's something, um, something like one out of 18 young adults identified as something other than cisgender male or cisgender, which means um, where biological sex assigned at birth and gender or, uh, identity align. Some, one out of 18 identified other than that orientation or that uh, identity. Which means that in a collegiate class in fall of 2022, using that same data, it means that on average, one in 13 of those college freshmen identify as either transgender or gender non-binary. And 2021, one in six young adults identified as something other than straight. All told, almost three out of 10 Gen Z women and more than one out of eight Gen Z men identify as something other than strength, mainly because of an increased identification as bisexual. Generation Alpha, born 2013 and later, is here. Indeed, they're the ones that led your children's moment. But we don't know much about them. Here's what we do know. Three out of four young children own their own tablet. Three, uh, um, today, by age 11, the majority of children own a smartphone. This generation will be the first in the United States to not be majority white or will be what we call majority minority. They will likely not remember a time before the COVID 19 pandemic, and they will likely not know a time in politics that was not marked by intense polarization. So here's why all this generation stuff matters because these differences create conflicts. They always have. But for us, the stakes are high. Because there's not just three generations leading our life together. There are five or six of us wrestling together as we are the church today. And that polarization is often defined on these generational axes. And it's often about some of the things that we've been highlighting as each generation continues in their technological advancement the role and rights of women, the acceptance of LGBTQ plus people whether non-white persons are discriminated against in American society or whether there's true equality and those are fault lines that are continuing to grow between generations for us in our community even in this church but perhaps most importantly for us as a community of faith is that generations are getting less religious especially millennials Gen Z and probably alpha there is a marked difference. Major generational shifts. It might be reversible, but the current data says that we're at the top of the decline, not the bottom. As we go forward as a church, especially an intergenerational church, which is going to be maybe the rarest of them all. How are we going to be a church where more and more we don't represent typical society but the weird edge of society where so many of us are dedicated to this place and this community and this way of living before God that asks so much of us? Church will be weird. I don't know how we're going to do it. But I know for this church it will require Every generation together.
1: Isaiah 25, 1 through 9. O oh Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name, for you have done wonderful things. Plants formed of old, faithful, and sure, for you have made the city a heap, the fortified city a ruin. The palace of foreigners is a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you, for you have been a refugee to the poor, a refugee to the needy and their distress. A shelter from the rainstorm and a shade from the heat. When the blast of the ruthless like a winter winter rainstorm, the noise of foreigners like a heat in a dry place, you subdued the heat with the shade of clouds. The song of the ruthless was still. On the mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wines strained clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the covering that is spread over all nations. He He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces, and the, and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, See this, our God, we have waited for him, so that he might save us. So he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. The word of God for the people, for the people of God.
2: Hear these words from 1 Timothy 4, 4 through 12. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Amen. Amen. Over my youth, I have had many opportunities to serve God within this church and outside of this church. My most beneficial time I've spent serving God was when last year I went on a mission trip to Guthrie, Oklahoma. During this trip, I got to build a deck on a trailer home. You know what this means. I had to spend over half my time outside. (laughs) The outdoors is great, but not when it is what felt like to be 100 degrees out there. My mom knows how much I love to complain about the heat. But I just told myself the entire week that I'm serving for God, and it ultimately motivated me to keep working. There's also getting Starbucks and pizza and going to the hotel afterwards that may have also motivated me. (laughs) I have had the opportunity to do things like um, this that week, but this was the most difficult mission I had during my time there. That overall experience was just amazing and I knew it would be v- beneficial to me and to God. Now, you are probably wondering who in the world might have motivated me to do all of this work, because trust me, I would not just have volunteered to do this on my own. Steve Houston may just be the most stubborn person I know, it, um, but he somehow got me to work. Disclaimer, he did take us to Starbucks and got us pizza, but I still would have done it without that. Now. Me and Steve, we go way back. I've done so much work with Steve, and I don't know how he puts up with me in all of that heat. Steve is one of the most godly people I know. Who knew that when I met Steve, I would learn how to use a nail gun and how to build a deck from nothing? Serving God is very beneficial and important to me, and maybe even beneficial to you. Everything created by God is good. Service and God are the, are the two most important things in my life. I give thanks to God because I, because I get to something even better than just Starbucks and pizza. I serve because I know for certain that I am loved and not rejected by God. In 1 Timothy 4 verse 12, it says, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Many people outside of this church like to criticize the younger generation. 1 Timothy 4 verse 6 talks about how the past generations need to be positive examples for the younger generations. When I mentioned Steve earlier, I did not tell you why I think he is so godly. Steve serves as my example because he serves the Lord with conduct, love, faith, and purity, and those are the list of the virtues that 1 Timothy 4 verse 12 talks about. I am very connected with Steve because he has taught me to be a servant with godliness. I want you to know that you have your own personal godliness, and there is at least one thing, maybe more about you, that, that is godly. Some people might not be able to see that in you, but it's somewhere in you. Believers of Jesus Christ are supposed to strive for godliness in your daily life, Because it will strongly impact you in both this life and the better life to come with our Heavenly Father. I feel like some people would be surprised by this, but I watched a YouTube Bible study Wednesday night after Logos. And something good that I took from it was, in fact, everything God created has some good purpose. Now to answer this question of what does this mean to me? Well, God did create everything to have at least some good purpose. Everyone in this room has a good purpose. For me and my purpose is to serve the Lord and to teach the younger generations to come to believe that Jesus is the Christ and the son of the living God and that will continue to be my purpose until the day I die. I want to thank you for your time listening to me today and I want to let you know that I will follow in Steve's footsteps and be a servant of Jesus Christ just without the Starbucks and pizza next time. Amen.